0: The morning text is from Psalm 67. Please turn with me in your pew Bible to number 696. God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that thy way may be known on the earth, thy salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou wilt judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. This was my text seven years ago in Missions Fest 86. That morning, I passed over the main point of the text and uh, said that Don Richardson would be handling it in his seminar and moved on to other things in the text. But I'm going back now to the main point this morning, which is found in the link between verses one and two. Namely, the link between God's blessing you and your being a blessing to the nations or God blessing Bethlehem is a church and our being a means to the world knowing his way and his salvation. Let's read these two verses. If you have an NIV, unfortunately, they drop the most important word, as they so often do. I get very, very frustrated with the NIV that they smooth the translation by removing conjunctions. And conjunctions are tremendously important. So if you've got a RSV or a King James or an NASV, you'll see the key word, but you won't see it in the NIV. It says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that. So that in order that there's the key link, my whole sermon is based on that word. And it is in the Hebrew. It is not made up. Ladaat. The look on the front of it is that it's an infinitive construction, meaning purpose and result that thy way may be known on the earth thy salvation among the nations. I have one point in this message, and the point is God blesses his people for the sake of the nation. Do you all see that? Maybe you can even see it if you don't have the that in your text. God blesses the nation's. I mean, the people of God, His people, for the sake of the nations. Now, that's simply picking up a great old thread running through the Old Testament, beginning with Genesis 12. Let me read that familiar text to you, Genesis 12:2. God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. There's that blessing. I will bless you and make you great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham is blessed to be a blessing. Now, what the psalmist does is he takes a promise in Genesis 12, 2, and he turns it into a prayer. That's the way you ought to pray. You pray like that. You take the promises of the Bible and you turn them into prayers. And therefore, you have confidence that you're praying according to the will of God. Well, he did that in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. He took the promise of Genesis 12 two, I will make you a blessing to the nations by blessing you. And he says, Lord, bless us, be gracious to us, make your face to shine upon us that we now in turn might be a blessing to the nations and they might know your way and know your salvation. That's my point. Now, the way I want to unpack this point this morning and to reinforce it is basically by telling you the story of the last ten years here at Bethlehem and the way this has come true for us. I could pick churches other than ourselves. I could pick the history of missions. I could pick biblical examples. And I don't often take half a sermon or more to illustrate from our own life together what God has done in response to these kinds of prayers and promises. But I want to this morning. I think it's what God wants me to do. I think it's what we, we need. Let me, before I give you ten ways that God has blessed us to be a blessing to the nation, make a sub-point here. It's really the same point in other words. Namely, if it's true that God has blessed His people to be a blessing to the nations, then it's also true that very probably churches, families, individuals, denominations will be blessed if they pray and long and plan to be a blessing to the unreached people. You see how that follows? It's not as though you earn the blessing of God by being missionaries or giving to the missionary cause. It's as though you jump into the river of blessing that is already flowing to the nations, whether you're a part of it or not. He is going to do it. It's not earning anything from God. It's bathing yourself in the blessing that's promised For the nations, you can stand off to the side and say, oh, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. i got more important things to do in my life. And this river is going to make an ocean of glory in the earth one of these days. And I'm simply saying, we ought to jump in. We have jumped in. And you will see how wet we are before I'm done this morning. Ten illustrations from Bethlehem's life in the last ten years. When I came to Bethlehem in 1980, the church was a missionary church. I didn't make this church a missionary church. Neither did Tom Steller or anybody else on the staff. In 1944, how many were here in 1944? Any? One, two, three, four? A dozen? <laughs> ah, you're afraid to raise your hands. I see those like this. There's a bunch of you who were here. Anton Scholten. I wish I'd known him. I'm going to beat Anton Scholten's record here, by the way. There were two pastors who were here for 20 years, and I'm number three now. One of them is Anton Sholin, and so I I have a goal to be an Anton Scholan <laughs> And Anton Scholin in 1944, in St. Paul, was instrumental in the founding of the Baptist General Conference Board of Foreign World Missions. Foreign Missions. Board of Foreign Missions, I think they called it in those days. And so this church had a... Crucial hand in where the BGC has gone in world evangelization way back then. And there was a significant budget already when I came, 1980. But in 1983, that's ten years ago this fall. That's why it's significant. That's probably why I'm doing this sermon the way I'm doing it. God did some decisive things in my heart and uh, Tom Steller's heart and many of your hearts as we preached through the uh, Christian Hedonism series and got to the climax this Sunday, probably 10 years ago. Missions, the battle cry of Christian Hedonism. And it took hold of me that this philosophy of life I had been developing for a long time had tremendous implications for world evangelization. And the glory of God is the centerpiece of our theology here, took hold of Tom in a profound way and before long, we had changed his job description from students to missions. And a lot of things began to happen. And I want to read you from my journal then. I got out my journal. I tell you, one of the great values of journaling is they are a means to praise ten years later. I was absolutely blown away by some of the prayers I read in my journal ten years ago and have seen them fulfilled beyond my dreams. Here's a few Excerpts. Noel and I, this is December 9, 1983, the week after, a couple, I guess a month after that time. Noel and I are reading Ruth Tucker's From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya. Last night I read the section on Zinzendorf. It was encouraging because it showed that a man can inspire others to do a thing for which he's unsuited. Zinzendorf inspired a great missionary force, but in the few efforts of foreign missionary service which he made, his experience was unhappy. Whatever I am good for, it is encouraging to know that others can be inspired to do what I may be unsuited for. We are not apparently locked in to only mobilizing duplicates of ourselves. Is this not already happening at Bethlehem? I am praying that we become increasingly a launching pad for missionaries and pastors and teachers and evangelists. Matthew 9:38, the passage on Pray the Lord of the Harvest. Matthew 9.38 now precedes Matthew 28.19 in my missionary thinking. I must not feel squeamish as I have about challenging others to do things I may not be very good at or comfortable in. That was a very important discovery for me. Kind of labored under the thought that if I can't do something, like if I don't have a certain spiritual gift, who am I to stand up and tell others to do it? And it just hit me. That is not valid. Eight days later, I entered a... I won't read this one, but I I entered a journal entry on my reading of William Carey and how Mary Drury's biography was just knocking the socks off of me because of how much he suffered and how persevering he was and how he never went home on a furlough. A month later, January '84, I wrote, A new sense is in my life owing to my new awakening to the big unfinished cause of missions and to the wartime mentality I'm trying to cultivate. The sense is this, as I kneel to pray this morning about a very busy Monday, I feel a new strategicness about it all. I feel the sense of wanting and expecting God to make every meeting and visit and report and leisurely contact and Bible study and preparation a part of a plot thought through and schemed for the effect, for the effectual execution of a strategic invasion of Satan's domain either to achieve today some act of liberation for the captives or to plant decisive explosives at the prison doors and lay the wires and hide the maps and rations for the day. Not far hence when I or someone else will ignite the fuse of God's power. Six weeks later, this was right after the glow of the first missions in the manse, March 9, 1984. When 90 of you showed up and we were praying for 60 in my living room. Lord Jesus Christ, rise like the sun on our darkness. Be exalted in your matchless power and wisdom and love. To see you and know you in your fullness, Lord Christ, is the key to all power. So I look to you. I marvel at you. I long to know you. Shine, Lord. That was before the song. Shine, Lord. Crack the dark in every heart, Lord Jesus. Use me. Use me. Use me to fill the world with your glory. Now, God was doing something in me. And in many of you, in those days, 83, 84. And we began to fix our prayers and our hopes and our plans for the nations. In view of Psalm 67, 1 and 2, and the connection between the blessing of God and our angling for the nations, I think we have in the last 10 years an illustration of God's answer to that psalm and to our prayers. And so what I want to do now is give you 10... Blessings that simply are fulfillment of Psalm 67, 1 and 2 in their logical connection. Number one, for the nations, God blessed us with 10 years of intense, earnest, authentic, God-centered, hope-giving, life-changing worship. One of the reasons he did and has and is, is because we have defined worship as the fuel and the goal of missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of the nations in the glory of God. You hear that? The goal of missions is the gladness of the nations in the glory of God, which simply means it's worship. He is seeking people to worship Him. And the fuel is that nobody goes to commend to another nation gladness in the glory of God who hasn't experienced it. Nobody goes to the nations and says, Be glad in the glory of Jesus Christ, who has not in worship at some time said, I am glad in your glory, Lord Jesus. Worship is the fuel and the goal of mission. God likes that definition. Built right into Psalm 67, and I believe it is responsible in large measure for the intensity and passion and earnestness of our worship. Number two, for the nations, God has blessed us with passionate, God-sized, globe-encircling prayer. We don't have big prayer meetings. Maybe God will grace us with some of those, but there are a lot of little ones. And the ones that I'm a part of Friday morning, Wednesday night, Tuesday morning are what they are in power because the people there have globe sized hearts. You come. I don't invite you to come to the staff prayer meeting on Tuesday, but but I do invite you to come at five forty five on Wednesday and at six thirty on Friday morning. If you want to hear how people pray, who have the world on their hearts, it changes the way you pray for sick people. It changes the way you pray for your kids. It changes the way you pray for the practical, nitty-gritty things of life. It lifts them. It ennobles them. It enlarges them. It connects them with great things. And prayer like that happens where a church is permeated with reaching the nations. Number three. For the nations, God has blessed us with suffering. We cannot calculate the good effects of the severe mercies of God in our lives over the last ten years. We've been broken, we've been softened, tenderized, weaned more from the world, addicted more to our only resurrection hope in the midst of crisis. It has been good for us. You don't pray for suffering. I don't think you should pray for suffering. That's like jumping off the temple. But you know that God, in His wisdom, graces His people with necessary sufferings to do in them what needs to be done for the nations. Suffering is a gift to Bethlehem for the sake of the nations. Number four, God has granted us for the sake of the nations, among many of you, courageous faith. When Tim White was shot, there was no mass exodus from the cities. And he was shot dead, for those of you who don't know him. When violence subsided in the Congo, Stephen Julie went back. They're there this morning with violence in Brazzaville. When radioactive threat was posed in the town to which Mark and Renee were going in China, they went back. When Elwa was surrounded... The women and children left and David Decker stayed. When we propose that perhaps there will be political uprisings and crises during the elections in about six weeks in Guinea, David and Faith and the three kids went anyway. I don't know if you realize this is the stuff of which biographies are made We just take it for granted because it's around us. It's so close to us that we don't often feel the wonder-working grace of God in the lives of these people. How many hundreds have said, I could never do that? Well, that's right. But they have. And many more of you are ready to lay your lives on the line. And that is no small gift to us for the nation. Number five. God has blessed us for the sake of the nations with a world Christian pastoral staff. This was fun to think about. Is it an accident that all nine of us have been overseas? Including the business administrator. Dan Lane ministering in China. David Livingston in Nigeria. Tom Stiller in the Cameroon. Joan Lovestrand, Indonesia in the Philippines. Brad Nelson, Mexico, Thailand, who knows where else with the youth. Uh, Greg Durenberger in Japan, the Philippines, Dean Palermo, Colombia and Japan. David Michael was constrained by the Lord down to Ecuador for one of the greatest purposes in the world. And uh, I went to Liberia and Cameroon and Philippines. Is, is that an accident that God has brought to this church a pastoral staff, all of whom have been pushed out of the comfort zone and, and seen just a little bit of what is going on out there? It is not an accident. It has a purpose for this church, for the nations, and that's part of it. And it's a blessing for the nations. Number six. For the sake of the nations, God has blessed us with increasing numbers of people to worship, give, serve in this place. In 1983, on this Sunday, there were probably less than 600 people. The average that year was 579. This morning, we will have 1,200 people in these two services, just looking at at this group here, you can judge how they're going to be. I wrote in my journal in April of 1983, let's grow in order to build a sending base for the frontiers. Let's think of recruiting people for the mission of evangelizing unevangelized cultures. God will not honor our zeal for growth if it is motivated by vanity but He will if it is motivated by love for His glory and concern for the cultures without a gospel witness. And I believe God has honored that goal and that motive. Number seven, for the sake of the nations, God has blessed us with increased giving. Now, that might sound like a simple and innocuous statement in view of the fact that we've grown... In people, well, of course, you have 1,200 instead of 600. You got more money. That's not the point. My point is, per giving unit, you give way over twice what you used to give. I don't have the statistics after 1990. When we did this present building fund drive, Doug Anderson computed all that, and it went from something like 12. I'm going to get the figures wrong if I do it, but it's in 1990 you gave more than twice per person, per capita, what you gave in 1983. That has steadily increased every year for 13 years. It can't increase forever, but it has increased remarkably. The missions budget in 1983 was $72,000. Today it is $484,000, six times as much, from 22% of the budget to 34% of the budget. And to put that in perspective, the salary package... The compensation package for the pastoral staff and the whole support staff dropped from 52 to 42% of the budget. That's a good investment in missions. Some of you might think over the years, boy, we sure are adding a lot of staff. You know, we got eight pastoral staff plus a business administrator. Is that good stewardship? I just laid the figures before you. You tell me if it's good stewardship. When the mission budget goes from 22 to 32%, six-fold increase, And the budget for those big additions that we've made drops from 40, 52 to 42 percent. I think we're on track. And let's just keep praying that the Lord will make us wise in staffing and in the proportion of things here at the church. Number eight. For the sake of the nations, God has blessed us with this building. Now, that's controversial because not everybody who's here believed we should build a building like this in view of the crisis of the nation. But God, we have learned and we know from history and the Bible, is merciful towards churches that have honest disagreements like that. And I believe he looked down, whatever his particular perspective on this was, and he saw S-P-A-N written over this building. Span 1. S. Spreading. P. Praise. A to all in the nations. That was the motive behind it. That was the banner over it. This building exists to S-P-A-N, the nations, to span from here to there, to spread praise to all nations. We did it with span two. We did it now with span three. It'll end in March, and then we've got to finish paying it off. We saved half the money before we put a shovel in the ground, and we still owe half, roughly. On this building, it'll take us seven years if we pay it at the normal scale. I would love a miracle to happen. And I invite you to pray with me toward a miracle of getting this thing paid off fast. Because we have, and this is now leading to point nine and ten, we have so many people on the way into missions. I don't want the mortgage on this building to be holding us back in what's coming. Number nine, for the sake of the nations, God has given us a vision and a prayer goal called 2000 by 2000. To send out from us in vocational missions and in short term missions, 2000 people by the year 2000, 286 have already gone, and to harvest by the year 2000 through conversions under your influence, 2000 people. We need to hear from you whenever anybody under your leadership or witness makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the people That we're counting. Whether they come to this church or not. You're the salt of the earth out there making a difference where people are. Finally, number 10. For the sake of the nations, God has blessed us with missionaries. I think you all received this in your folder. There are 85 names in here. Nine of these names were on the field in 1983. Only nine. There are 42 people now in the Nurture Program pipeline moving intentionally through those processes under Tom Steller's leadership into full-time vocational world cross-cultural missions. Forty-two more to be funded. We try to fund our own people by 25% of their total. You figure that out. We're talking multi-million dollar mission budgets in the years to come. Where's the foundation for that? It's in revival here at home. You know what I did when I got this? I counted the columns. One, two, three, four, five, six. And I said, what I'm going to do, and I did it, over the first column, I put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I put it in my prayer folder and that's the way I'm going to pray now. This isn't the most up-to-date one we have. On Monday, I'm going to pray for Anderson Blewett, Bloomstrom Bowerman, Cable, Caldwell. I invite you to take this home, put it in your Bible or wherever you pray. One day, we'll pray through all our missionaries once a week if we do it that way. Now I'm going to Close by praying for a couple of groups of you. But listen carefully as we close. I'm going to have two groups of people stand up. Listen carefully because I don't want too many to stand up, but just those who who uh, fit these two groups. The first group is very clear. I think those of you who know your call to world evangelization know God's called you to do this for the foreseeable future. You have a plan. You have A mission, you are moving toward missions. That is your calling. I'm going to pray for you that God would help you, confirm you, guide you. Don't stand up yet. The second group, and we'll stand up together, is this. This is a little more ambiguous, and and some of you are on a crisis right at this moment. Um, You're not sure that that's God's future for you. But in these recent years, or maybe recent days, you've been saying inside, or God's been saying, Maybe me. Maybe God wants me to uproot. Maybe he wants me to go. Maybe he wants me to get training towards that. And I am very open, and I would like very much to know more surely than I presently know if that's God's purpose for my, our, life. Couple, single person, young person. Okay? Now, I'm assuming the vast majority of you are not going to stand up. I'm not saying if you're willing to do God's will, whatever it is. I would expect every person to stand up if I said that. I hope you would. I'm saying God's been doing something to open you, and you are seriously thinking and praying, but you're not sure yet. And the others, you are sure. All of you in those two categories. Would you stand up? And I'm going to pray for you. Okay. I'm sure for some of you, just looking around, this is a bold thing because you see who's seeing you. Say, oh, now they know that I've been praying this way. And that's great. If others of you are, have hesitated to stand up while I'm praying, you can stand. Now I'd like us all to pray while you're standing. Lord, you see these people. They're like the rest of us. They're not super people. They are dependent people. It just so happens you've given them a particular calling or are stirring them to consider a calling. And my prayer for those who have discerned your call is that right this moment, by your Spirit, you would fall upon them with sweet, peaceful, confirming power and grace. And then for the second group, Lord, I pray that that same Spirit and that same power would come with clarity of vision. With a rising sense, if they're called, a rising sense of your purpose in their life. Banish fear. Banish worldliness. Answer their questions knock down obstacles and open some doors this very week so that they'll be able to look back and say, this was the time when I knew. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's every biblical reason, I think, that God is going to keep blessing us here at Bethlehem as long as we don't neglect His call upon us to be for the nations. I think we're on the brink, just in terms of numbers, who are in the nurture program, not to mention the so many who aren't in the program who are dreaming and thinking. We're on the brink of a tremendous surge in missionary sending at Bethlehem. It's necessary that all ten of those blessings continue and grow. And to that end, I pray for the utterly crucial role of those who were seated. It's so crucial. We cannot send them. If some of you aren't making big bucks. Now, I don't think you ought to desire to be rich. The Bible says those who desire to be rich commit suicide. First Timothy six. What you ought to care about is I will give and I will live in such a way as to maximize my life here or there for this great cause. And God will show you how to give. God will bring jobs into your life and money into your pocket and blessing on your life in order that it can happen and we will win people. Well, let's pray to today. Lord, as we close now, we pray for the senders. Workers together with the missionaries for the cause of truth. Ready to sin in a manner worthy of the name of the Lord. Oh, unite us as a church, Lord, behind this great cause, I pray. And all the people said, Amen.